You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm ra- rather annoyed to find out that Twitter bookmarks aren't working for me anymore. I don't know if it's a thing with everybody or what the deal is, but I've been feeling like a crazy person because I save stuff. And then when I do the podcast, I go look and I'm like, oh yeah, what are those things I saved? And I go try to find it. It's like, what, I, where did it go? I don't know where it went. And then I get mad at myself, like, oh, I guess I didn't save it. I guess I just didn't feel the need to push the button. Then this morning I found something and I said, oh, I'm going to bookmark this. And I go right to Twitter four seconds later and it's not there. And I'm literally clicking it on my phone, bookmark, and then look for it and I don't see it. However, if I click it on the computer, it seems to work. So it's a problem with my, I don't know if it's the version of my phone or what, but um, that's stupid, so... Fortunately, that's not uh, the main driver, and really most of it is just news that I wanted to save, and I can, you know, just go back and find the news. So, let's talk about some news. Nothing super massive, but uh, Mr. Morgan Burnett has officially announced his retirement. I was always a big fan of Morgan Burnett. I remember back in the day um, really saying that I did not want him to leave, because HaHa Clinton Dix was really coming into his own. And there seemed to be a strong correlation between Morgan being there to help him out and HaHa playing well. And when they let Morgan go, HaHa, sure enough, kind of fell off. So I just always felt like he was sort of that uh, leader, mentor, kind of making sure the young gun is in the right place at the right time to allow HaHa to not have to think too much, but just let him go play because he was a a pretty good athlete. But uh, Morgan Burnett was a very, very good football player for us. And also, Mr. Tyler Lancaster was signed, which seems like everybody's just really mad about. I think it's a silly thing because it's, it doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't mean enough to actually get mad about it. We don't have any money to make a big signing. And maybe that just hasn't fully sunk into your head. We don't have money to make big signings. We only have money to make micro signings. And to be honest, I don't even know how we have money to do that. Something, I mean, I don't want to delve into it because I have feel like I've said it a thousand times. But I assume something else has to be coming. But, you know, it just is what it is. And and if we only have basically no money and the Packers are like, how do you feel about signing Tyler Lancaster back? And be like, yeah, sure. Like, hey, we got like a million dollars. What do you want? You want Lancaster? Like, yeah, that's fine. It's not Lancaster or J.J. Watt. Okay, (laughs) I know J.J. is gone, but I mean, that's the other thing. There's no real dominant free agent still left out there, I don't think. But it's not now that we signed him, we can't sign anybody else. It's just we don't have any money. And Lancaster fills a very specific role of being just a massive human being that stands in the middle of the defense and stops the run. Is he good at that? Eh, not really. I mean, he's I, as far as nose tackles go, maybe not. But as far as the Packers' defense is concerned, yeah. There's number one last year was Montrevious Adams, believe it or not. Horrific pass rusher, but he had the highest grade as far as run defense. He's going bye-bye, gone bye-bye. Then there's Kenny Clark, was the second best run defender then Kevin King, and then Tyler Lancaster. So yeah, it helps bolster our run defense ability along the defensive line. Do we need some better pieces? Do we need somebody that can help us, especially in in regard to pass rush? Yes. 
Is Tyler Lancaster going to help us? No. But for the very little amount of money that we're signing him for, for a guy that played 17 games, which is more than anybody else I listed, Kevin King played 13, Kenny Clark played 15, Montrevious played 8. In fact, you'd have to go all the way down to 10th to find Preston Smith before you find anybody that played as many or more games. So it's, it's just kind of a shrug thing. Like, we're better with him than without him. Doesn't hurt to have him. And what would you rather have for that amount of money? It's like going to a grocery store with a dollar and grabbing a can of ravioli and the kids start crying like, I don't want ravioli. It's like, okay, well, what do you want? I want cheeseburgers. Like, well, we have a dollar, dude. I, I, I'm sorry. I can grab you a bag of instant rice. You want instant rice? No, this is stupid. Why do you only want bad stuff? Like, dude, we have a dollar. What, what is hard for you to understand? What, what, what don't you get? I want salmon. Ooh, I know. I want spaghetti and meatballs. Like, you know what? You're getting ravioli. Get out of my face. And when you look at the specific aisle we're in and the amount of money we have, ravioli is a pretty good option. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Lancaster's ravioli. And there you go. This has been your news of the day. Oh, see, now I'm in a bad mood. Are you kidding me with this? You stupid weather people. As of like yesterday, we got three more days of being cool, right? 35, 39, 49, like not great. You got to still wear a coat. Then it's supposed to bump up to the 60s. Then on Sunday, it's basically supposed to be 70 and it's going to be 70 for the next 10 days as of yesterday. Now we're going to dabble in the 60s and then just go right back down. 50s, cloudy, rainy, windy. I just, I, I just, I hate it. I'm over it. I'm over it. If you want to be rainy, fine. April showers bring May flowers. I get it. It's rainy, but it's supposed to be warm and rainy, not 50 degrees as a high and a low of 37. I don't want 37 and rainy. That's, that's horrifying. Just, I'm sorry. I'm just over it. I'm a hundred thousand percent over this. It's just hanging on, man. It's just hanging on. Getting all excited like it's going to be 70s for like a week. Oh, sorry. I meant 40 windy, rainy, cloudy. Punch you right in the jejunum. Why don't we talk about a couple different rumors? Because there have been some rumors that have been floating about. Number one is Cordero Patterson to the Packers. Now, this one is especially stupid because really it's just based on Cordero Patterson liking tweets about Cordero Patterson to the Packers. That's dumb for several reasons. The most obvious is the fact that the Packers don't care what he wants. (laughs) I mean, it it doesn't point to them wanting to go out and get him. I guess all it would really mean is there's a good chance if the Packers called and said, we'd like you to be here and offered him a price that he wanted to play for, that he would say yes, which is true of almost any player. So we're not really getting anywhere here. On top of that, somebody basically just paid him a compliment and he liked it. You know, it's it's hard to imagine if there were, you know, 32 different tweets about, man, he would look good in this uniform, and the only one he picked is the Packers. I'd be surprised by that. Somebody said, man, I'd love it if Cordero was a Packer and he liked it. It's like if somebody on Twitter said, man, I would love it if Ryan was a podcaster for the Bears, which, you know, I have seen that. I'm not going to lie. I would like that. That's very nice of you. Thank you. I wish I could too. That'd be great. If I could like split myself into 32 people, everyone takes a different team, 32 times the revenue, you know what I'm saying? I'd do it. But it's a nice compliment and I would like that. Does that have anything to do with me switching this podcast to a Bears podcast? And do you understand how mean I would be on Twitter 
or, or excuse me, on this podcast, if a rumor started on Twitter that I was actually going to switch to a Bears podcast because I liked a comment in which somebody said, man, I wish he would do a Bears podcast. Are you getting it? If, if you had a restaurant in Madison, Wisconsin, and somebody from Laredo, Texas visited it and ate at it and said, this is the best, you know, what does Wisconsin do well? I don't want to be ridiculous and say like pizza or steak or anything, especially from a person from Texas. This is the best cheeseburger I've ever had in my life. I wish there was one in Texas. And then you liked that tweet. Does that imply you're about to go to Laredo, Texas and start a new restaurant down there? It does not, right? So, look, I'm, I'm commenting on it because that's what I do. When things start to swirl, when it starts to pop up on Twitter and on Facebook and everything else, up to and including Mr. Matt Schneidman doing the googly eye thing on Twitter where it's like, what? You know the one I'm talking about where you do like 17 eyeballs, like this is crazy. It's like, all right, I guess we'll talk about it. Now, maybe if it was the players that went shopping for teams, there could be something here. If players just got to go sign up with teams like, you know, like you get to go sign up for gyms, like, oh, I think I'm going to go to Anytime because, I don't know, it's basically free. Or no, that's Planet. Planet is like free, but is kind of a stupid gym. And I know that because that's that's where I go. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Maybe they want to be a, a sponsor of my thing. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. Um, I just think planets are stupid. That's all I'm saying. Don't worry about it. In terms of would I be upset about it, here's the situation. I liked, um, and I'm going to blank on his name now. Trevor Davis. I so wrapped up in the draft. I I knew Trevor, and I was like Trevor Lawrence. Nope, it's not Trevor Lawrence. It's Trevor Lawrence. No, no, no. Stop saying Lawrence, and I couldn't. I googled it. I found it. Trevor Davis. I liked Trevor Davis. Never liked him as a wide receiver. He was a good punt returner. I know he had a lot of fumbles or whatnot, but the point is he was he was electric. He was a different kind of human being. He was the guy that if he could catch it, he made stuff happen. And I always said, I don't have a problem with making a spot on the roster designated for kick returner. I don't. I don't feel like you have to be a a wide receiver. I mean, we had Trevor Davis listed as a wide receiver, and occasionally he'd go out and run a route. But I, I, I felt like that was useless. Just take him out of the wide receiver room. We're wasting time. He should be dedicating all his time to being a punt returner. That's it. So if we got Cordero Patterson, that's what I would say. And, and look, I, I understand, okay, we can use him in a couple different packages. Great. The biggest reason I want him is as a kick returner. We always, everybody gets excited about his versatility and, oh, he can do all these crazy things out of the backfield. And with the exception of a, a very brief stint in New England, he's never really reached that full potential. But he is historically probably the greatest kick returner of all time. And when I say that, please understand, kick returner and punt returner are different, and most people are not both. So when you come to me with a, with Devin Hester, Devin Hester was a punt returner, not a kick returner. I'm talking about kick returner. I don't think it's even disputable. Devin he- uh, <laughs> Cordero Patterson is the greatest kick returner of all time. So for that reason alone, if he wanted to come in for a very small amount of money, I would take a basically Hall of Fame kick returner. Yes, I would. Considering how bad our special teams are, yes. Will the Packers do that? Almost 100,000% no. For one, teams don't really like to do that. So they would bring him in as a wide receiver, running back, whatever he is. And again, maybe maybe Matt's looking at it and saying we could use him for that reason. But I, I think they're going to attack that in the draft as opposed to a guy that's, um, you know, getting up in age. He's already 30 years old. And um, honestly, his only real good year was his rookie year. Um, his one year in 2018 with New England, he had a 70.8 grade. So again, a brief stint where he was 
competent. I mean, I, 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 that's unfair. It was good. It was 70 is good. But otherwise, it's been a consistent like 65, 67, 67, 64, 65, 54, 69. But what about kick returner? Can he still do it? Um, this past year, 2020 in Chicago was his third best year ever as a kick returner as far as his grades. 2013, he graded as a 95.2. 2015, a 90.0. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, it's just kick return. Um, 20, no, it is still higher. 2020 was the second highest ever at 90.7. 2015 was 90.4. 36 returns for 1,085 yards, which is tied for the most he's ever had, except in 2015, he had, did it in 35 returns. Second most. I'm stupid. Don't, don't listen to me. Don't listen to me when I talk to you on this podcast. But, um... His longest was 104 yards, so we got one, two, three, four, five times, I shouldn't say five times, five years out of uh, six, seven, eight years, he had a return of 100 yards or more. Five out of eight. He's had eight touchdowns in eight years. His yards per attempt was 30.1. You know how you want to get past the 25, and most people don't, that's why they take a knee? He's never had a year ever where he's had 25 or less yards per attempt. His worst ever was in 2014, 26.4 yards per attempt. Guess how many muffed catches he's had? Zero. He's not a punt returner. He's a ridiculously good kick returner. And again, I don't really understand why they don't, why you don't covet that more. That's so unbelievably important. Compared to the other bottom guy on the depth chart, like you need that seventh defensive tackle ready to go just in case. Dude, give me a kick returner. I mean, fine, if you want to call him a wide receiver, just in case, fine. He's your break glass in case of emergency wide receiver. He's a kick returner, though. I just, I don't know. If it's me, yeah. And you're, and that's all you're going to do. That's all you're going to practice for. But anyways, yeah, kind of, kind, of, uh, kind of dumb. In other news, James sent me a message, and it's one of those things that I'm kind of ashamed of because I'm not up on my podcasts like I should be, especially the correct podcasts that I should be listening to. But anyways... Um, James mentioned that the Packers were very high on Amir Smith-Marset. And I said, you got a link for me? Because, you know, some of this stuff, kind of like the Cordero Patterson thing, is, uh, it's nothing. Well, this comes via Tony Pauline, who is a really good source. In other words, he's actually hearing stuff, you know, whether or not it's true or how much you, but when it's something like that, you know, you worry when you hear, you know, the, the, what would it be? The Broncos are making a hard push to come up and get so-and-so at quarterback. That's the stuff where it's like, these might be people playing games. Or the uh, Mac Jones to the 49ers. That could very well be them playing games. You know, them going to Mac Jones Pro Day instead of Justin Fields Pro Day. That might just be gamesmanship. They're 100% taking Justin Fields, but they're just throwing people off the scent. Not that it would matter. I don't know why people do that stuff, because number one is not trading or selecting anybody... Number one and two are, I don't know, I don't get why people do that stuff. I guess just out of extreme paranoia of just in case, you know, I don't know. But it's iffy. Stuff like this, you know, it's, um, and it could have just been a scout, and scouts are not Brian Gutekunst. A scout can say, I love Amir Smith-Marset, and uh, tell Tony Pauline that, like, have you seen this kid? He's really, really good. But uh, he gets back to Brian Gutekunst, and Gutekunst's like, you're stupid, this guy's trash. You know, I, I don't know. But it's, it's nice to get a name, finally, that the Packers are, are strong on. We always end up hearing names and uh, have not heard a bunch up to this point. There's just been a lot of speculation as far as, you know, the pro days that they've gone to and what that might imply, but we haven't really heard a stamp on a player. First of all, his name is hyphenated. 
So you got to know that the Packers dig that. Emir uh, Smith Marset. It's Smith hyphen Marset. But um, looking at PFF, he's uh, 21 years old, six foot one, 179 pounds out of Iowa. He's a guy that clearly had a, I guess, quote unquote, breakout in 2019, but he's had four years at Iowa and has been barely average, according to PFF, outside of 2019. And that includes 2020, where he's been kind of bad, with the exception of one game against Wisconsin. Uh, This past year, 25 receptions on 40 targets, which is pretty low. Um, 345 yards, 13.8 yards per reception and four touchdowns. Now, one of the things to keep in mind about, uh, Amir Smith-Marset is that the stats are going to be really bad, but his quarterback was just horrific. And it's, we, we've seen this with a couple other guys. Unfortunately, the guys that come to mind were not very good wide receivers. I think like Jamon, uh, and maybe even that LSU guy that we took in the seventh round, whatever his name was. But the, the idea is if they, if he had a capable quarterback, the stats would have been much, much better. Generally seen as a speed demon, um, with uh, he did run his pro day or whatever. He had a four four three, so it's not like four three speed demon. It's more. I mean, this is kind of in the Trevor Davis territory. In fact, speaking of Trevor Davis, he kind of fits that mold. He's uh, you know, not short, but he's extremely small, at six foot one, only being one hundred and eighty pounds. Four four three. I think Trevor Davis was four four two, and um, the big thing is he just flies past people. If you look at his, uh, you know, target depth or whatever, his grades, and again, the grades always tend to be a little higher the deeper you go because the catches are more spectacular, you know, a 30-yard reception. And I, I don't, I kind of don't think that it should be graded that way necessarily, but whatever. But 10 targets, only three receptions, 110 yards, 36.7 yards per reception and two touchdowns. So of the three receptions, two of them were touchdowns. And again, the, um, the, the reception rate, 3 out of 10, 30%, is bad, but he had a 90.8 grade on passes beyond 20 yards, which tends to tell me that it's not his fault. Um, he was 50% on those contested catches, and 25% of his targets came 20 yards or more down the field. So that's that's pretty hefty. So that's what you're getting out of him. He's a, a kind of long, lanky, speed guy. He cannot get off press, so he has to go to a team that's able to scheme him open, which generally... That's what Matt LaFleur is going to do a lot more than like Mike McCarthy would do. The issue that I see is you can't really scheme a go route, I wouldn't think. I mean, if, if they're in press man coverage and you want him to just go, you got to get off a of press. So I don't necessarily see how that works in my brain, right? He's a go route guy and he can't get off press coverage. He can't handle the physicality. That doesn't work for me. So there has to be more to it than that. I mean, from his standpoint, we have to be able to do more with him then just send him on go routes and stuff. But again, for those of you who are uh, checking out the tape and whatnot, go uh, check out Amir Smith-Marset and uh, go see what you think. But anyways, we got to take a break here. We'll get back into a couple questions on the other side of the break. Big, giant, massive thank you to Mr. Carl T. Koch? Koch? I never know. I don't know. I remember they had signs in Wisconsin, and my first instinct of what that word said was wildly inappropriate. And I'm like, is that really that dude's name? But it could be Koch. And I believe the Coke fellas down south spell it that way. I don't know. But I really do appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this very podcast for as little as $1 per month. If every single person listening to the sound of my voice jumped on Patreon, gave just a single solitary dollar. 
I won't have to go to work. Now, granted, by the time I upload this and you get to this far in the podcast, I kind of have to be driving to work, probably have to be at work, so I don't know if I could take off today. But if you all get together, throw in that buckski, maybe tomorrow I don't have to go. Although my wife's going to be mad because we're buying a house. She's like, no, you can't quit your job now. I'm like, but they gave me money. They promised. (laughs) They pledged it. But think it over. It'd be nice. It'd be great. Um, And again, the... Really, the biggest way to absolutely help would be to spread the word. The more people find out, the more people listen, the less I have to beg you. Because it won't be on you. It'll be on advertisers. And the advertisers come when the show grows. Also, thank you to uh, Death Kiss, I guess. I don't know. I have a hard time trying to figure out what these words mean. And they're over here using emojis. But uh, thank you, Death Kiss, for, uh, for the five-star review. If it was the other way around, it would be Kiss of Death, right? Which, I don't know how... Although that's your name, so it doesn't necessarily... I don't have to freak out about why are you saying death kiss to me. So I guess that's good. I was kind of getting freaked out by that. But that's just... That's your name that you carry everywhere with you. So that's that's fine. It has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm, I'm totally safe, right? I'm assuming. Please reach out and let me know that I am safe. Thanks. Anyways, we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, question time, this time for Mr. Josh Cornell. Josh, as a little bit of backstory, had done some work um, scouting cornerbacks for me, kind of sent me, looked at a bunch of different guys, sent me his breakdowns of them. Um, but anyways, he says, when I scouted Elijah Molden for you, I fell in love with his game, yet I don't see anyone talking about him. To me, he's a top 10 draft talent, and yet he isn't talked about. It even seemed as if PFF agreed with me on paper, but then disagreed in their analysis. 
What am I missing? Why is everyone losing their minds over this incredibly high ceiling talent? He has the mentals, the physicality, the work ethic. Coaches praise him for his leadership, saying he's the play caller on defense. Again, what am I missing? So I want to kind of talk about two things. One is um, a somewhat confusing situation with PFF on paper and their analysis. This one always kind of confused me, especially when it comes to college um, grades, because you would assume the guys with the higher grades would be the ones that rank higher on, you could almost just sort by their grades and that would tell you who they like. Now, there's obviously some um, difference in the school that they went to, etc. But let's just say, for example, Mac Jones was the highest graded quarterback in, in their entire ranking system. And he plays for Alabama, which is a massive program. You would probably think it's safe to assume he'd be the number one on their board, except he's not. They have Mac Jones 13th, which is pretty par for the course. It's a little bit higher than most. His, most. his average is actually 17th, so they're slightly higher, but that's about it, right? He's in the teens. One of the things I think to consider is that their grades, in a way, are kind of similar to stats. In fact, I think there's a lot of crossover. When I looked at their um, deep dive on quarterbacks and how they came to their grades, essentially, it really is just a representation of deep, deep statistics, all of their grades. For example, when you look at, they, they part of the way that they grade is based on the accuracy of the throw, and they have that broken down into which area was, what, what, which part of the target area did the quarterback hit, right? There's like the, the strike zone, except it's more like a, a, a dartboard, you know? There's the bullseye, and then the, that was pretty good, and then, yeah, that was a little off, and then, wow, you just suck. My words. And so, in a sense, although they, they pull all the information together into a grade, it's based on a statistic, because you could call it an on-target throw. You could call all, each one of these things a statistic. It's a, it's a, a target. And, and I think it's really hard to really quantify based on all these different statistics brought together into what they call a grade, how good a player is overall, right? This is sort of an aggregation of all the different stats pulling together into a grade. But then when you look at it and say, okay, so he's the best player, you could easily pull back and say, well, not necessarily because some of these things mean more than others. For, for, for example, one of the, the problems with that, we already know it doesn't take into account competition level. So for example, um, Trey Lance's grades are through the roof but he's throwing against defenses that are really bad in comparison to some of these other quarterbacks. It doesn't take into consideration the talent level of the players on your team. It's a lot easier to throw to wide open wide receivers than it is to tight, you know, to make a tight window throw. If you got a guy streaking down the field wide open and you throw a decent pass, you're going to be graded well. If you throw into a tight window and the defender makes a good play and the pass gets picked off, you get graded negatively even if the, the pass was technically in the exact same area. In other words, the accuracy might have been exactly the same. But if in one case, the defender just has to slow down a little bit to catch it, and in the other case, the defender turns around and intercepts it, massively different impact on your grade. And when you have um, guys that are wide open constantly, that's, that's another factor. Another thing to consider, and I've mentioned this, a big part of the reason Aaron Rodgers graded out as well as he did is because of the offensive line. And if you think about it, Every quarterback has two sets of grades, and you can break this down any way you want, but there's, there's one of two things. Either you are under pressure or you weren't under pressure. And every single quarterback is significantly better when they're not under pressure than when they are under pressure. And when you think about it, if you just add up or, or average it out, if you take any quarterback and say your grade when you're under pressure is a 55, your grade when you're not under pressure is a 90, 
Let's just say that's what the case is. And then it just becomes a matter of what percentage of the time, and this is a basic mathematical equation, not that this is how they would do the math, but I'm telling you, you could do it this way to understand what I'm saying, would be what percentage of the time are you under duress? So because I forgot the numbers, let's say it's 50 and 90 to keep it even or easy to remember. If it's 50% of the time, then your grade as a quarterback is a 70, right? That's how good you are. At least that's the representation of how good you are. But that's kind of unfair because then there's another quarterback who let's say he's the exact same, 50 and 70, but only 10% of the time he's under pressure. In that case, your grade is an 86. We're talking, we don't even have to talk about two different quarterbacks. Let's say it's the exact same quarterback, depending on whether he has 50% of the time he's under pressure or 90% of the time he has no pressure, his grade goes from a 70 to an 86. Exact same quarterback, exact same year, exact same situation. The point is your grade as a quarterback is dependent on your offensive line's ability to block for you. That's not necessarily fair. It's not wrong by PFF, but it's something that we need to understand going into this. There's also things like depth of target. He might be a great quarterback throwing with uh, a lot of read, um, throwing five, 10 yard passes. Uh, Mac Jones, for example, lives in the middle of the field. How many times does he launch it down the sideline? Not very often. And that may go into when you're a scout saying, we need a guy to do a specific thing. Or for example, if you're saying, we want a guy that can do all the things. Again, Mac Jones may grade out really, really well throwing easy passes to wide open receivers. The question is, when things break down, can you break down and run and get that first down? Can you you know, throw off your back foot and launch it down the field and, and, and get in that tight window like other people can? So when we're, we're nitpicking about Mac Jones' 95 overall grade and um, Zach Wilson's 92 overall grade or Trevor Lawrence's 90.1 overall grade or, or these little things, it, it's minute. And really, the, the bigger question is these big boxes that we want you to check, whereas this guy can do all the things and this guy can't, whereas the grades are kind of just looking at how well did you do the thing that you were trying to do in that moment. Does that kind of make sense? So that's, that's the first part about that. And this might be the only question because I took a long time to explain. So the grades just tell you how good of a job did you do in trying to do the thing that you did against that opponent, regardless of how good that opponent is. If your coach puts you in a great position against terrible competition, you're going to be a great player. If your coach puts you in bad position against great competition, you're going to be a terrible player, even if you're the exact same guy, right? So there's a lot that goes into it. And yes, that, that does mean that PFF is not necessarily the gospel. Now, that's why it, it kind of helps to see things in a larger context. For example, I think Blake Martinez is a good linebacker. He was very good under capers. He's very good with the Giants. I tend to think his bad performance in Green Bay was because of a, def- a defensive coordinator, not necessarily because the defensive coordinator is bad, although he did get fired, I think, for a reason, but also just it was not a fit. He was putting Blake Martinez in bad situations based on his abilities, and so he was failing. And so even for us, there has to be some reading between the lines. I think less so in the pros because we're all kind of playing the same players. It's a smaller group of teams, right? The competition level is about the same. I think there's less scheme um, variance in the NFL as there is with college football. So you're kind of running similar things. So college is a little bit crazier where, where the grades become harder to really just say this is a good player, but it's still extremely useful. Now, again, that's the first part. Now, onto specifically why Elijah Molden is not as high. And I did talk to Josh already and kind of give him this answer. But for those that are curious about Elijah Molden, he is a very good uh, cornerback. And and the consensus is, first of all, let's uh, give you a breakdown. Elijah Molden is a uh, Washington, and he's listed as a safety via PFF, um, generally seen as a cornerback. 
but five foot ten, one ninety. I think he probably is a cornerback. Some people think he's a, a safety in the pros, but I think his I don't know that he has the range or the length or any of that kind of stuff. But um, he's generally seen, and even if you look at PFF's draft guide, they they call him a cornerback. And they said if you just need a slot corner, slot corner, he can be dominant. If you want a guy that's just going to hang out in the slot and just tear it up, this is your guy. Not sure he can do it much on the boundary. Now, I think a similar thing was said about Jair, although he did play on the boundary in college. It was just a matter of, I don't know if that translates to the NFL. Elijah Molden lives in the slot, dominates in the slot, and the question is, can he do it outside? And it could be sort of a Justin Jefferson thing for me, right? Very, very good slot player, real good coming out of his breaks. I don't know if you can put him outside, and I don't know if he can win down the field, just because I haven't seen him do it. Turns out he can, and he ends up being elite. So if Elijah Molden makes that kind of a jump where it's like, let's just try him outside and, oh, look, he's just as good out there. You've got yourself a true elite player. But the consensus is five foot 10, 190-pound Elijah Molden is a very, very good slot corner. And what it seems to me is slot corners do not get a lot of love. If you look at the top slot guys in the NFL, first of all, there's not a lot of really dominant ones. And almost all of them are seventh-rounder undrafted free agent guys. And I think what that is is the offense kind of dictates what the defense finds valuable. And in today's NFL, when you look at essentially the offense is, how can you hurt me? And offenses are hurting people with these number one wide receivers, the Devontae Adams, the Tyreek Hills, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, whatever, Julio. These are the guys that are killing you. And so our priority is getting somebody out there to take that away. There are decent slot receivers. But you don't necessarily go out of your way to get a guy that's just a slot receiver that's on the bench when we have two wide receivers on the field, that only comes out um, when they put a third receiver on the field, and only is really, really valuable that one time you play the Seahawks or whatever, you know? That one time you play, you know, I think the Lions had a a dominant slot for a a brief stint where, like, their number one guy is their slot guy. But that's extremely rare. So I don't think a lot of teams are going to put a lot of stock in that, even though as you pointed out, I think he is dominant. I think everybody in the scouting community looks at him and says, this dude's good. And um, whoever gets him is going to get a really good slot guy. I just can't put that much value in a guy that's going to sit on the bench. And that's going to stroll out here once in a while when they've got three wide receivers. I'm making it sound like it's not common. It's obviously very common to have three wide receivers, but not always. I mean, to be honest, if, if Elijah Molden comes out, And let's say he's extremely dominant. He's like the Jair of the slot, but he cannot play outside. He just can't do it for whatever reason. If I'm playing the Packers and I have the ability, I'm just going to run two two wide receivers. I want my number two guy on Kevin King, and I want Elijah Molden on the bench so the Packers can't put their best guys out there. Now, the extra benefit of Elijah Molden is that he does have safety experience. You don't necessarily have to pull him off the field. Uh, Apparently at 5'10", 190, he's extremely scrappy. He's actually graded out fairly well in run defense and tackling pretty much every year. Um, you know, he's kind of similar to Jair. He, he is not afraid of contact, and he's violent, and he's physical, and I think he'd be a good fit for what it is we do here. He'd have the, the Washington thing in common with Kevin King, um, and I just think he'd fit in with that environment of, of, of DBs that are kind of, uh, kind of wild and crazy. So I think that'd be kind of cool. I'm, I, again, I'm not opposed to it. I, I just, I'm just saying from the NFL standpoint, similar to what I said about a kick returner, I would do it, but I don't think the NFL will. I don't think the Packers will. Same with Elijah Molden. I think if this guy was this good on the outside, he'd be a, a clear first-round pick. That's, that's what I'm getting from what I'm hearing. But I think the issue is we don't know if he can really be a safety. We know he can be a slot guy, but I don't know. And maybe that's what he'll be. He'll be a slot or a safety slash slot guy. But 
you know, if he projects as a subpar safety, then you've kind of got some problems. But um, in terms of statistics or, or grades or whatever, he kind of broke out in 2019. He's been four years at Washington, uh, 2017, 2018. He didn't play very much. He was kind of average to good. 2019, he got the full-time gig, played the entire time in the slot. That's all he did and had a 90.8 overall grade, 90.9 coverage, 81 run defense, 81 tackling, 71 pass rush. He had six pressures. Um, targeted 93 times, which is ridiculous. He was targeted 93 times. 61 of those were caught um, for 610 yards. Only two touchdowns, had four picks and 10 pass breakups, 73.3 passer rating when targeted. 2020, obviously a smaller season, four games, two of them in the slot, two of them at safety. So he, again, he dabbled at safety a bit, um, caught 11 of 18 targets for 65 yards, no touchdowns, a pick and two pass breakups, 44.9 passer rating. As far as his grade splits, um, in uh, safety, 66 and 77, as a slot, 78 and 81. So his two highest graded games were in the slot. Again, the safety thing, and it's kind of new, right? Not that he never tried it before, but um, being like a full-time safety is a new thing. It was the last two games that he played in college were basically the only two times he was designated strictly as a safety. So if you're going to just put him at safety because you think that's what he's going to be, that's a super high-risk thing. But um, I think that's that's the point. Not that he's bad, just that he's a smaller-sized slot guy, and that just comes with a certain kind of, of value or lack thereof. It was actually the exact same thing was said about Sean Wade. Sean Wade at one point was the highest-graded cornerback in all of college football. He was at Ohio State a slot guy, very, very, very good. And the question was, can he play on the outside? He played on the outside in 2020, and he did not do very well. So the NFL community said he's a good slot, but he's not going to go outside, and he has now dropped to 86th. This was the number one, number one to number two um, corner, just consensus, pretty much the entire offseason, and uh, began to plummet and is continuing his descent, and again, is all the way down to 86th right now. Elijah Molden is sitting at 58th. So that's something else to consider as far as how much respect Elijah Molden is getting because Sean Wade, everybody sees him as one of the best corners in football, but just a slot guy. Elijah Molden is just a slot guy and is 20 spots higher than him. So there's obviously a lot of respect for him, even though that they both have the same knock on him. Great slot guys, but that's about all you're getting. But anyways, I guess I got to cut it there. Um, had a lot more questions to get to, and I definitely will get to them, but we'll have to save them for tomorrow because that took a little bit more time than I was expecting, and I ran out of time sooner than I thought I would. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>